Diane Bursford Kroger is an Irish-Canadian researcher, scientist, and nature mystic, and she knows a great deal about trees and botany. Her first, uh, well, not her first book, but major book on this topic uh, we're going to talk about. She is published in the American Heart Journal, the Journal of Micros. Microscopy. The, uh, she has also held science positions in the Canadian Department of Agriculture and University of Ottawa School of Medicine. Nice to have you back with us, Diane. Hello, Gary. It's, it's wonderful. I, I wish all your listeners a very, very happy new year and a good season for 2012. Thank you. And by the way, her book is The Global Forest. Now, I'd like this to be a bit of a continuation of the conversation we had last year. Ah. which was on May 21st, 2010, for those who would like to hear that interview on the archives. And since then, you've published some other major work uh, through the University of Michigan Press, I Mm -hmm. recall, and one text which deals specifically with the Northern Hemisphere Mm -hmm. and what is known as a uh, a very important insight into the nature of forest and also the nature of jungles. So let's do this. Share with us more about this holistic vision of seeing the earth made up of various organs serving critical functions and then focus upon the, uh, the forest line, how it is unique and absolutely critical for the life of the planet since it covers much of the um, northern part of America and across Scandinavia and Russia and Siberia. And then since we are here in the northeastern United States, what would be the most essential trees from this forest network you recommend people plant? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, let's, Gary, let's look at the big picture science. I, I, I heard a little bit about what you were doing with GMO stuff uh, as I was waiting. Um, all of us have to look at the big picture science uh, right now. And I'm inviting the audience to hold my hand and look into the future. And what is happening, essentially what is happening, and all of the things that are making you afraid is called climate change and global warming. It's, they're just two simple little phrases, and it really means just only one thing, that carbon dioxide is piling into the atmosphere. That's all. You and I, let's forget all of the politicians, because this is too important for politics. We can reverse this. We can reverse this very, very easily. Now, Um, Gary had mentioned that I look at the northern part of the world, and that is my book, Arboretum Borealis, A Lifeline of the Planet. On the northern part of the world, we have the last great forest system of the world. It is the last great one which would have been equivalent to the forest system on the tropics. That's being chopped down as we speak. The northern system does go into... um, Alaska, you have a huge bank of forests up there, all of Canada into Norway, Sweden, Denmark. Then the forest in Russia is called the taiga. It's enormous, enormous forest. Then it goes down into northern China, it goes down into northern Japan, and above all, it goes into that extraordinary place, the place which is called the Sea of Otosk, and it is a rosary of islands that happens there where the great whales go to give birth. So it's a very, very, very important place. And 
It is, it is a bank of forests that actually refreshes and acts as a detergent for all of the atmosphere of the world. It oxygenates all of our air. Now, I would invite you to sit down and stop breathing for maybe 20 minutes. Ha! You couldn't do it. So look up north, you thank those forests. And what, what also that forest does is that it produces a huge amount of antifungicidal, anti-insecticidal, antibiotic, majorly antibiotic, antiviral compounds into the air. And these are called aerosols. And in your own house, you do actually use aerosols. They're fine, fine particles of molecules that float in the air. And they go all around the atmosphere of the planet. That's what they do. And they go into your lungs, your lungs and my lungs. And they actually activate the greater breathing capacity of your lungs and they cleanse your lungs and they cleanse the air. And they make the air breathable for all of us. It is the most extraordinary phenomenon on the planet. And what those forests do is the following. Carbon dioxide is in the atmosphere in very large quantities right now. That forest regulates that carbon dioxide, chops it apart, and produces oxygen. You, I asked you to stop breathing 20 minutes ago. That air that you breathe, that gives, goes into your circulation, that goes into your blood system, and if any of you are pregnant that are feeding the, the, your uterus, that are feeding your baby in utero, that's what's there. All of us have it. That, that oxygen is cycled and recycled and recycled and recycled. It's also attached to carbon dioxide. So I'm asking you to hold my hands and to look into the future. Now, climate change and global warming is, is kind of scary for every one of us because it rousts up huge, huge amounts of, of problems for the whole of the world. We will have greater weather patterns, we'll have stronger weather patterns, stronger winds, we'll have more snow, maybe more ice. We will have colossal weather patterns. All you have to do is protect that forest, protect all the trees around you. Make sure that the American government does not cut down any more forests. Make sure that the Canadian government does. Make sure that all of the nations of the world protect their forests. I will ask you if we could please have a moratorium of cutting on our forests. And if the poor farmers want to put in some plantation forests, let them go for it and let them sell it. Let them make a little bit of money because they're on their knees. And you have got the answer for climate change. Of course, you can't be greedy. You can't use your cars and trucks that much. Let's be circumspect about our lives. Let's not be too greedy and to, to do too many things, really, that we shouldn't be doing. So then let's track on to the whole concept of comparing the human body to Gaia. That's our Earth, our planet Earth. That's your home, and that's my home. And it is your world, and it is my world. And in that, you are equal to me, and I am equal to you. All of the rich people in the world are equal to all of us. All the people who are sanctimonious are equal to us. We are members of this planet. So, in the great oceans of the world, you have salt. And the salt, the saline oceans, are equivalent to your blood circulation. In your body, you have 
what's known as the powerhouse in each cell, known as the mitochondria. In that mitochondria, each cell of your body, look at your hands right now, every single cell of your hands, every single cell of your body has got this mitochondria. And inside, in that little powerhouse mitochondria, has got a little fragment of DNA. You have inherited that DNA from your mother in a long line of inheritance, and your antecedents may very well have been out of India and may very well have been out of Asia, may very well have been out of most probably Africa. So we're all related. That DNA is exactly the same as the green parts of the leaves, the living leaves of the planet. And in the green of the leaves, the green of the leaves is held in a little sack in each leaf called a chloroplast. And the chloroplast is filled with chlorophyll. And guess what? The same function functions there. The DNA tag is right in there, inherited from its antecedents too. We are all the same. The chloroplast of a leaf, of a green leaf, has got this extraordinary ability to do something that you and I can't do. What the chloroplast does is it looks to the sun. And if you're out in the garden, you will see your sunflowers track the sun from day to night. The trees do too. And what the trees are doing is they're drinking in the sunshine. And sunshine, for a scientist, is called a photon. Many, many trillions upon trillions of photons get through the atmosphere to the leaves. And this, these photons do a most extraordinary dance on the surface of the leaves. And that dance ends up with pulling carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere. It drinks, the leaf drinks carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere, breaks it apart with the, the light of the sun and a little bit of moisture into oxygen. Now, let's look north again. On the north of the planet, we have that boreal forest system that I explained to you. Millions upon millions upon millions of trees in the last great stand of forest on the planet. Those trees are a bit different. Those trees are extraordinary. They have been growing there for a very, very, very long time. And they've learned something very tricky. What they've learned to do is to modify their chloroplasts. And they can drink in the sun under very, very low light conditions and very low light angles from the sun. And they can manufacture food and they can manufacture all kinds of chemistry in a way we barely understand. And they can keep the world going. They can keep the amount of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere lower. They can drop it down. They can pull it in. They are extraordinary species. We cannot replace them. You and I can't do this because all species can move north, but the northern species can't move south. The northern trees cannot be replaced to the south because they are used to a fatter, fatter, fatter sun. So all the lean and mean trees up in the north do something extraordinary that is also wonderful. 
they maintain all of the polar caps, the ice of the polar caps. And then what they do, they cool down the oceans. They put all kinds of low-level nitrogen into the water just, just by means of a sustainable form of living. And it maintains the fish, the foundation fish feeding for fish in the oceans. It is the most extraordinary system that maintains that polar cap and also maintains the feeding systems in the ocean. And the West Coast does it too. So if you and I are going to think about replacing all of the trees around us, look to your forestry system and look to your nurseries and buy native local species. And when you're thinking about that, get a species that has a walloping big canopy and plant it a good, good distance. I would say 50 feet at least from your house. Maintain city forests. Maintain forests within the city so that you can sit in these areas of parks within your city and demand from your politicians that you have to have them. So that when you sit under these trees, you will get a reduction of, of pollution in the air by 25%. Because these trees, your local native trees, can actually comb the air of pollution. And when Diane, you sit- uh, Diane, I have another question for you. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, I know that you consider trees as intelligent life forms, having their own immune systems and the ways trees and plants engage in Mm -hmm. communicating one to another. Mm -hmm. Here then is the issue. You write about the language of trees and their their infrasound and the Mm -hmm. acoustics of their breathing. Mm -hmm. I recall an independent plant researcher, I believe in Minnesota, who experimented with the impact of bird songs on on the uh, stomata of leaves. And I'm, yeah. I'm not sure you are aware of that person, but he discovered that the bird's songs expanded the size of the tree's stomatas mm-hmm. to absorb more nutrients. And his findings were used um, on some orange plantations in Florida where they introduced more songbirds and they discovered an increase in the orange tree crop. So yeah. would you share your insights about the sounds of the forest with an emphasis on the ecological benefits of these sounds for the life that lives within the forest. Yes. Uh, I'm not I'm not aware of that man's research, but out of Bucharest, the uh, chair of physics has done some of this research, and I'm also aware aware of other research. But let me let me let me put my hand on that one because when I was doing my master's degree in Ireland, I touched on that one. What happens with regard to the stomata and the stomata for 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 those who are listening, um, a leaf has got many thousands and millions of mouths. They're equivalent to your mouth. And actually, when you speak and when I speak, um, the lips move. And in the movement of lips, we inhale and exhale our air. We inhale um, oxygen and exhale carbon dioxide. And actually, the trees do the same thing. And so the trees regulate everything by means of these. They're called stomata. And in actual fact, they're mouths. But so let's get back to the birds. The birds and actually all the soft sounds of nature around. It's not just birds. It's also the human voice, as a matter of fact. What happens is that the sound of soft sounds in the 28 hertz 
a region in the lower, lower, lower regions of of, um, of sound waves. It affects the form of of the production of a form of a chemistry within the plant, which is called the gibbane structure. And the gibbane structure is you can think of it as the mast for a sailing ship. And the mast for a sailing ship can make many, many sailing ships, and they are called gibberellic acids. And they're all of the hormones of actually of the plants. And the hormones are, in fact, equivalent to your hormones, your estrogens and your progesterones and your androsterones and your various male and female hormones in the human body. The tree does the same thing, as a matter of fact. The tree produces huge fluxes of hormones, and actually they're produced in, in relationship to the sound of people and of birds around them. This is very ancient knowledge, as a matter of fact. So in the olden world, and I'm sure some of you may know about this, in planting seeds, in handling trees, in handling forests, and in handling orchards, there were traditional songs that were sung, soft lullaby-type songs that were sung to the seeds. And the seeds reacted, and the trees reacted. And now we know it is the chemistry in the trees. Now we know this actual marvelous thing that's happening is there is a connection between the human, the bird, the song, and the species itself. It's really a miracle of nature. Hmm. I appreciate that. Thank you. You're very welcome, Gary. Um, I understand that from your Imagination Foundation organization, part of the work is the role trees can play in healing Mm -hmm. against... uh, uh, stress disorders uh, with children diagnosed with ADD yes. and for cancer healing and prostate healing and other illnesses. I'd like for you to share about some of the examples you've experienced in the forest and mm-hmm. certain trees healing capacity and how you work with a forest for triggering a healing process with a patient. Okay. Um, for your moms and dads and people out there who have heart conditions, especially, I'm, I'm, I am referring to you, children who have attention deficit disorders, and actually ordinary children too. Now, all around North America, you have the pine trees. You have all the different species of pine. And if you're unsure about this, go to your local trees and look at the leaves, and you may find they're called needles because they look like needles, green needles. You might find two lots of needles on them or bundles of five lots of needles. And those are called pine trees. They're all, almost all evergreen trees. And when you go into these forests in the, in the summertime and the temperature is above 80 to 85 degrees, you get the smell of pine in the air. Now, this is called forest bathing. It's very, very, very old technique from the old world of Ireland and from Greece and all along into China and Japan. So what you do is when the, when the air is humid and when you have, you know, the lollygagging days of summer, take your children into the forest or take them to where there are pine trees. And what you do is you take nice, big deep breaths. Just walk. Take sandwiches. Take, you know, maybe even a bottle of wine, God knows, into the forest and sit and relax. And what you are doing is you are breathing in alpha and beta pinene, pinene from the forest. These are aerosols that this particular forest produces. And it is a fat-soluble compound that affects the myelin sheath, which is the communication aspect of all parts of the nerves of your body. 
and particularly for children who have got attention deficit disorders. It seems to particularly help those kids. And what it does for them, it increases their focal ability. And coming out of, their far, out of this kind of forest, after let's say 20 minutes or 30 or 40 minutes, their IQ is increased, their ability to focus, and it settles them down. Diane, just hold your thoughts for one second, because for many stations, we're going to say goodbye. My guest is Diane Birchford Kroger, K-R-O-E-G-E-R, and hopefully you've enjoyed uh, her work, and you, her book is The F- Global Force. For those of you who have Internet, we'll continue with this conversation on our Internet program. Now, take us a little further with this. Because I'm a great believer in combining some therapies. Okay. I do that myself. I, I, I built my own tropical paradise where I can, after a long, yeah. hard work month or two or three, I go and I, I'm, I get aromatic plants. And it's, okay. most of those come out at night. And the trees, just watching the tops of trees move is so relaxing. Now, if you also have ability to do chanting or meditation or to do yoga in that environment or to do listening to music, music that rebalances the chakras, sound rebalances chakras. Have you uh, taken a look at what happens when you bring multiple healing stimuli into that forest environment? Oh, gosh, yes. I mean, Gary, this is really a huge, you know, this is a huge question. And it's something that very, very few people are actually looking at, um, let alone doing. Um, For the male population, and indeed um, my bioplans are being used by some hospitals right now, for for the male population who have, unfortunately, if you reach your 90s, you have a 9 in 10 chance of a 9 times... 90% chance, I mean, of getting prostate cancer. Get yourself near some birch trees and actually sit down near the birch trees or even drink some birch beer and sit and get the aerosols from the birch. Now, the birch are all over the world and they help in that arena of the male body. It is an aseptic system that helps um, your body to actually uh, to to be more healthy. Let us put that way. Let us put me that put it that way. And that area of your body has then got anti-cancer compounds going into it. So it helps you and protects you and pain, maintains health against prostate cancer. And of course, in your in your wonderful oasis, if you have all the the onion family, and I'm not necessarily talking about the onions on the table, of course I'm talking about them too, and garlic and so on and so forth, it also protects and helps that area for the male population. And they should be eating garlic with their food as well, and it should be um, local garlic you're eating and not garlic that has been pesticide laden. I'm talking about organic, clean garlic from the male population. And if you're very fussy with your wife and you think, oh my goodness, I have garlic breath, go and eat a little bit of parsley and get rid of the garlic. So there is no excuse for you. I appreciate this. Diane, I'd like for us to continue with another show at your convenience, but not wait a year to do it. (laughs) Oh, 
I would love that. I mean, I'm doing, you know, I'm going to be doing all these films and movies and so on and so forth. And a little bird told me that you are involved in some of these things, too, in your own personal life. And I'm going to certainly look into that. Thank you. We look forward to our next discussion. I, I, I thank you very much, Gary, and I am so pleased that you're doing such wonderful work. Thank you. My guest, Diane Birchford Kroger. She is the author of The Global Forest, 40 Ways the Trees Can Save Us. 